0: All right, anybody know this date? September 1st, 1939. No, none of you know that. Well, that was the first day the Blitzkrieg rolled into Poland. September 1st, 1939, Hitler unleashed the Blitzkrieg against Poland, and within six months, he had rolled all the way to the edge of France. Um, I'm a history buff. I love uh, any kind of... We don't have cable because I would be 600 pounds in watching the History Channel and um, doing nothing but that. Um, that's why when uh, we go over a friend's house, I'm just like, they've got cable. I'm on the History Channel or the Discovery Channel. Or... One of my favorite shows is, is the um, on the History Channel is a weapon show, and I can't remember the name of it right now, but it goes through weapons throughout history, and I'm just like, it goes through like, catapults and guns, and I'm just like um what really, lana came home a couple days ago and she's like i need to make a catapult for science class i'm like okay let's go we're out in the garage we're making a catapult and and, yeah. and she's like well i want to do it this way i said okay let's do it this way but let's add a little extra to it so it goes even farther and so we're, we're making this little catapult the only thing she wouldn't let me do is put wheels on it i really wanted to make a, a wheeled catapult but she didn't it was supposed to be a, a structured one so um but 1939 That day lives in infamy because Hitler destroyed what was known as the free world of Europe at that moment. Um, Until July, in July of 1940 is when he rolled up to the edge of France and a couple miles across was the island of Great Britain. (coughs) Excuse me. He had planned a ground invasion, but he knew he couldn't get across the border, so what he did is he started bombing... Coastal cities, um, trade routes for ships, and he started to bomb cities and airfields. He started out with a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, and then it it progressed into bombing anything that was moving across the the water. He was bombing um, air bases, the Royal Royal Air Force air bases. He sent his air force in in such a force that for 57 straight Days they did nothing but bomb the UK. The targets were literally only a couple miles off the French coast. You've got you, they were closer to us than Fremont is closer than Fremont is to us. They were he was sending aircraft over so many times during the day and during the night that they people would sit out on their roofs all day long and watch for air, aircraft to come across. That's not a life. Can you imagine that lifestyle, living that every moment of your day, looking to the sky, wondering when uh, you'll see the Swastika coming across the sky and waiting for something and hearing that whistle? For one year, he did nothing but bomb them straight. Every day there was some kind of attack. Hitler believed that he could bomb the Britons into submission and then send across ground forces to overtake the island. But Churchill, who we all have heard about, was a little stubborn. They called him the bulldog. And there was a reason. He said, I will fight you on the seas, we'll fight you in the air, we'll fight you in the streets, we'll fight you in the houses, we'll fight you in the woods. And he goes, you will, not per- and you will never prevail. So the Royal Air Force at that time had a, a few divisions, but they weren't very... Um, progressive. And what had happened is, is they started to bomb the, the, the uh, Nazi Germany started to bomb the coastal areas. Well, their air force got lackadaisical. They weren't training, they weren't doing what they were. Um, if you've ever watched the, the movie, The Battle of Britain, 1969, great movie, find it. It's really long. If you have kids, they won't like it. Um, <laughs> it's a great movie. And it, it really shows the, it shows how relaxed the Royal Air Force was at that time they're just sitting around in chairs um laying around playing poker you know drinking and it wasn't until it was on their front door that they realized that we have to do something about this until the the uh, there's this one scene in that movie where the Royal Air Force pilots are all sitting in their chairs propped back playing poker drinking you know and all of a sudden you see air, and they hear airplanes coming over and all of a sudden they hear a whistle and every one of them looks to the sky, and it blows up. And all of a sudden you see this hangar blow up, and then this airplane blow up, and they, and they started bombing their own, uh, the Nazi Germany started blowing up the Royal Air Force's planes, their hangars, every area they could possibly do to stall them, to keep them, to, to put them into submission. And I was watching that movie, and, and, and God said, sometimes we're like that. We're, we're sit back, we're kicked back on our chair, and we're like, you know what, it's all good, God's got this, I, I'm just going to chill out, and then the enemy attacks. Something happens, and we're like, oh crap, now i got to figure out what to do. Yeah. Well, Churchill, who is always um, never surrender, never give up, always push, 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 he enlisted his generals and said i need you to find other air the uh, royal air force was short of pilots and they were losing pilots faster than they could get them trained and up in the air most pilots were one to two days in if you guys were here last week and you saw the plane that wayne was in they were training in those planes for one to two days and then they were up in a fighter so what churchill did is he said to his generals i said he goes i need you to find me more pilots so during that year, there was about five, 000, or excuse me, uh, three thousand pilots. Twenty-five of uh, twenty-five hundred of them were British, but Hitler um, kept bombing them. So Churchill went to other countries of, of people who were being overtaken and started recruiting pilots. They had one hundred forty-five from Poland, one hundred thirty-five from New Zealand, one hundred twelve from Canada, eighty-eight from Czechoslovakia, thirty from Belgium, 30, thirty-two from Australia. South Africa had 25, France had 14, Ireland 10, United States had 11, Southern, uh, yeah, Southern Rhodesia had 4, Jamaica had 2, Barbados 2, Newfoundland 2, and Northern Rhodesia 4. He started pulling pilots from these countries that were being overtaken by the German um, armies and bringing them in, and they were fighting for Britain. Because he realized, I can't do this on my own. Our Air Force can't do this on our own. They were losing 20% of their forces a week before they started recruiting, before they started getting pilots that were seasoned pilots and who were training their pilots how to be good pilots. And it made me think, Churchill knew that his Air Force couldn't do it on their own. They were not, not capable of doing it on their own. It's the same way with us. We are not capable of doing it on our own. We need people who know more than us, who have more experience than us who are seasoned in the word of God, who are seasoned in God to come alongside of us and train us and say, you know what? You're flying too low. You're aiming too low. You're not, you're, you're flying too low. God flies here. You're aiming too low. God aims here. We, we, sometimes we set our expect, expectations so low that we, we can never fail. It's like, well, if I can get through this day, it'll be good enough. Oh, got through the day, good enough. I'll, I'll, I'll set my, my expectation that low so I can just walk over what my expectations are. Well, our expectations should be high because God is high. God has high expectations for us. Why don't we have high expectations for ourselves? God says, you can't do it on your own. Churchill knew we couldn't do it on his own. The UK, if you guys really look at this, it is an eight-hour drive from end to end. That's basically Michigan from top to bottom is, is about five hours. So you go from the end of Michigan by Indiana up to the UP, end of the UP of the Sioux, and it's about eight hours. So this, this tiny little country in the middle of, of the ocean is defending against the, the biggest army, one of the largest armies the world has ever seen. And constantly over and over and over being bombed, bombed. And not, not just the Air Force Base, he's bombing downtown London. Beginning September 7th, London had 57 consecutive nights of bombing in the Coventry and Liverpool and other cities for several months. 57 straight days and then months after that. They say for about four and a half months he bombed them every night. What would their expectation be? Their expectation was, I'm going to find a nice place to hide in the subway because we're going to get bombed again tonight. They knew the enemy was there. They could hear the enemy at night, but they could never see the enemy. And, and, and it talks about, in the Bible says, the enemy goes around like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. You can never see the enemy, but he's always out there looking for you and looking for something he can devour in your life. He may not devour your entire life, but he's looking for something that he can say what is, what is unguarded in their life. What is is weak in their life that I can sink my teeth into and start to pull and tear and rip it apart? That's what Hitler was looking to do. He was looking to find the weakest point in, in in the island and say, I'm going to bomb them into submission until I can rip out their heart and then I can go in and take over their entire country. And that's what the enemy looks to do. He looks to take out the, the strongest part of you or the weakest part of you and say, I can, I can dig into this part. And once I dig into this part, I can, I can get my way into their life and I can take over. So for 57 straight days, he bombs London. The good and the bad of it is this, is he bombed London for 57 days, but he gave the Royal Air Force, uh, Royal Air Force um, 11 and 12 time to prepare. The Royal Air Force 11 and 12 had more kills than any of the rest of, their gr- of those groups because they had time to prepare for those 57 days of straight bombing. He gave up bombing the Air Force bases and you know, I'm just going to beat them into submission and I'm going to do it for, for 57 days. And he gave those two groups the time to train and properly get these pilots that Churchill brought in and said, I'm going to bring these people in to help out. And sometimes in our life, it's like, you know what, we're going through 57 days of bombing. It feels like boom, 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 boom. Yeah. It's always one after the other. And it feels like it just keeps rolling and rolling and rolling. And you're like, when is this going to stop? Can you imagine the, the people in London? They were living in the subway most of the time during that time for 57 days. He was bombing in the day. He was bombing in the night. He was bombing every time he could get a chance to. And they were living in subways going, when is this going to end? And I feel sometimes in our lives, it's like, when is this going to end? And, and that's where Ho called in. He said, I need these men to come in and help out because we need to train and we need to do this. And God says, you know what? Sometimes when it feels like it's not going to end, someone's going to come alongside you and he's going to build you up and he's going to pick you up and he's going to say, hey, set your expectations higher. This will end. You will get through this. You won't be living in the subway anymore. You're not going to get bombed out every day. You won't feel like somebody's dropping an atom bomb on your head every morning when you get out of bed. Sometimes it feels like the enemy just keeps coming and coming and coming and coming and you're just like, you just look up and go, when is this going to end? How many, how many people can you imagine would look up every day in downtown London and just look up and go, when is this going to end? Looking at the destruction that had happened. The Royal Air Force wasn't prepared to take on what the German army threw at them. And Hitler knew it. He, he, he used every possible way to, to... He would try to shell across the, the island. He would, he would do everything. He would send bombers, fighters, everything to try to stop the people from gaining any momentum. The Royal Air Force wasn't prepared, but in a sense, sometimes in our life, we're not prepared for what, what comes... And it's not a bad thing. Sometimes it's just like, you know, oh man, it just came out of nowhere. And, and it's okay. But but what happens is, is sometimes we're just like, oh, I wasn't prepared for this because we didn't do what we were supposed to do. In the military, you train and you train and you train for certain situations because when you go into that situation, you ha- they need to know that you're going to react the same way when you go into that situation. I had a friend who was a nuclear sub for um he he scored the highest score the navy had seen in 25 years uh, for nuclear propulsion and he was on a sub and he would train and train and train for the same thing he trained for if that core starts to melt down what he needs to do to get out or stop that core from melting down in that nuclear submarine So he would train every day. They would put him in underwater in a fake sub, boom, he would do his, whatever he did, I don't know all the details of it, but he would train every day. And he would train for that because he knew that they needed to know that when he got into 3,000 feet under the water, that he could handle that when it came, if something came up. And it's the same way with us. Is We need to have the Word of God in us so when, and, and train in the Word of God so the Word of God is always fluent in our lives so that when the situation comes up, we act the same no matter what it is. So no matter what the situation is, the same thing comes out of our mouth. The Word of God comes out of our mouth. So many times it's like, oh God, that's who I need right now. That's, that's what happens a lot of times it, when, when we're going through situations because we weren't prepared for it. it. It caught us off guard and we're like, oh God, help me, please help me. So that's why using the Word of God, reading the Word of God comes into play. It, it, it trains us. Our friend um, Kelly, um, she, go, she went over to um, Australia. She went to Hillsong College for a year and um, she, her and some friends were inexperienced and they went out to the coast and the tide came in and swept her out. And um, it swept her off the big rocks and started dragging her out. But what happened was is the tide started coming back in and it was smack. Um, if you don't know, in Australia, they have cliffs, but these cliffs, you don't go on these cliffs. You walk around these cliffs because they're razor sharp. And the cliffs kept smashing her into the, the cliff. She, she said, I was bloody from head to toe. But she goes, the word of God came out of me, even though I didn't realize it was in me. And, and the word of God needs to come out of us in those situations that we don't even realize. We put it inside of us and, and we hide it. It says hide it in our hearts so that when we go through those situations, it comes out of us instead of, oh God, oh God, uh, uh, are you there? I need your help. We start, to, we start to repeat the word of God. We start to quote what the word of God says because it gives us strength and it gives us power during those situations. Reading the Word of God is pointless unless you encounter God and His nature in that reading. If you just read the Word of God, it it is just words unless you're encountering the author of that Scripture. You should come out of our... When we read the Word of God, we should come out of that time changed and understanding who He is and and understanding who we are when we read that Word. It shouldn't just be like, I'm sorry, have you ever read the book of Deuteronomy? (laughs) Numbers? I'm just saying, it's boring. Yeah. You get in there and you're like, hmm. yeah, you, you're like, I'm going to read the Bible. I'm, this is the, the, I'm going to read the Bible in a year. And you get into the numbers and Deuteronomy thing and you're like, oh my gosh, this is getting really boring here. I'm like, can we stop counting people? Oh, you know, yes. I'm just like, yes. eh. but what happens is, is, it starts to grow inside of you. The Word of God is like a seed in our heart. Once we start to read it and we encounter Jesus and we encounter our, the Father through it it, gro- it, it starts to deposit something in our hearts. And it creates something in us so that when we go through those circumstances, all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, where did that come from? That's right, we, we we're like, I didn't know I knew that. I didn't know I knew that scripture. I didn't know that that was going to come out of me during those, that time. unless we come out of our reading with the Word of God changed and understanding who He is and, and His nature, it does nothing for us. I can read a regular book or this book, and unless God and I encounter God when I'm reading this Scripture, unless I am getting something from it, I'm just reading it. You guys ever read and you're just like, oh, I've got to do my Bible reading, and you're just like, you're reading it, and you're just like, la, 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 because you're not getting anything out of it because you're not encountering God during that, that time of reading with Him. You know, I, I look at, at what, the Br- what the Brits went through when, when that, for that year where they were being bombed constantly. And, you know, I, I was thinking about us as, as believers when we go through battles, when we go through trials. You know, if you're born again and you're fighting the same battle, for two, if you've been born again two weeks and you're fighting the same battle, that's understandable. You don't know your weapons and you don't know your identity. You're all like, I hate you, devil. And you're swearing at the devil because he's, you know, he's messing up your life. Yeah. And that's, that's the tools you have at that moment. That's right. that's good. But if you've been a believer for 20 years and you're still struggling with the same issues, you're still using the same weapons that the two-week-old baby Christian has. Yeah. You still don't know your identity. You still don't know who's fighting for you. You have encountered, in God, you have encountered God in the Scriptures when you're reading them. It's just a book that makes you feel good when you read it, but you haven't encountered God. If you're still struggling with those things in 20 years, it's time to meet the author of the book. It's time to meet the creator of the world, not just the concept of the book. The concept of the book is, man, Jesus loves everybody. The world understands Jesus' love. But until you understand who the Father is, And what the son was sent for, you haven't got the concept of what God is and who he is. It's just a book that makes you feel good. So many times we, when something, when God is not in us, it's always like we we, ever run around like a chicken with your head cut off, not knowing what to do. Yeah. You're just like, oh crap. Oh crap. And you just, you know, you, you, you don't know which way to go and you kind of shuffle and you're doing things. It's because we haven't put the word of God in us so we don't know what we're doing, what we're fighting. You know, uh, trouble hits or or circumstances hit and you're just like, "Uh, um, I need you, Jesus. And and that's the most common response is when people who don't know God, they need something. 9-11, when 9-11 happened, the church increased so many people because they needed God. They didn't know why they needed God, but they just needed God because it felt good. And they're just like, oh, God, we need you because we don't know what's going on. But a couple years later, they go, the church decreases and goes right back to the way it was. Because they, didn't, they just knew, oh, we need God because we need God. But they didn't understand who he was and why, he, why they needed him. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 6 says, the weapons of our war we are fighting are not of this world, but are powered by God and effective at tearing down strongholds erected against his truth. We are demolishing arguments and ideas, every high and mighty philosophy that pits itself against the knowledge of the one true God. We are taking prisoners of every thought, every emotion, and subduing them into the obedience of Jesus Christ. As soon as you choose obedience, we stand ready to punish every act of disobedience. Let me just clarify that. We're not going to punish you if you act bad. I'm just saying. It, it, it's, it's talking about self. It's talking about when we bring every thought captive to you know, the obedience of Christ, it's that one thought that pops up and goes, no, boom, you're done. I talked about this a co- uh, couple months back, it, is when we take thoughts captive, what it does is this, is a thought that is wrong. We take that thought captive when we put it into prison, and we say, you will not be in my life, you will come into the obedience of G, under the obedience of Jesus Christ. You're not going to come into my life. I'm going to put you into the solitary box of uh, confinement. You're going to sit there because I will not. And you're going to submit. My thoughts will submit. My life will submit over to the authority of Jesus Christ. The Royal Air Force knew what their weapons were, but didn't know how to use them. I think that's, it's very true for Christians, too. We know what our weapons are, but we don't know how to use them. You know, The, new, the, the baby Christian swearing at the devil, yeah, you did this to me, you know, blankety, blank, 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 and, and he doesn't understand his weapons. That's why discipleship is huge, because then it teaches him how to use the weapons of warfare in a spiritual realm. The Royal Air Force got trained by and, and recruited better pilots to help them become a better air Force. We bring people who know the Word of God in to help us become better believers, to make us stronger, to help us grow, to, give a, to bring discipleship. Hebrews 10:24 through 25 it says, Let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds, not giving up, meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. What is Paul saying? He's saying, Spur each other on. Encourage each other to, to keep growing, to keep grabbing hold of who God is. Because this every day reveals the nature of Jesus Christ and the Father in heaven. Without this, we would not know His nature. We might have a relationship with Him, and the Holy Spirit may come into our lives. But this is the written Word of God, and it shows you who He is, His goodness. It shows you the weapons that we have. It shows you how to use the weapons that we have. The greatest thing about the battle was is this, is Churchill knew he wasn't going to give up. Hitler was never going to give up. But Churchill had a different resolve than Hitler. Churchill said, I'm going to fight you everywhere you possibly can stand. Hitler underestimated a small island out in the middle of the Atlantic, there we go, and He thought, I'm just going to bomb them into submission. I'm going to allow them to surrender to me and then I'm going to send my my troops in and I'm going to seize their country like I did everybody else who buckled and surrendered to me. The greatest part of our warfare is this, is the battle's already been fought for us. The enemy's already been defeated for us. The enemy has already been defeated when Jesus Christ went to the cross, died a sinner's death, went to the grave for three days, resurrected and took the keys of hell and went up and sat at the right hand of his father. And he's sitting crouched in a runner's position saying, hey, what, let me know when I go back. He's waiting for that sounding gun to go off so he can come back and bring his bride home. Jesus overcame death for us. He he took a battle on his own shoulders so we didn't have to fight it. But he says, you don't have to fight the battle. I've already won, but there's going to be some skirmishes and there's going to be some people and there's going to be some principalities in your life that are going to come and try to attack you and they're going to try to cause problems because we still live in a fallen earth. And he says, your kingdom come, your will be done. Our job is to bring the kingdom from heaven to earth to create heaven on earth. What did, what did God say in Genesis? He says, be fruitful and multiply. And he said, subdue the earth. Subdue means what? Overtake, overpower, take into ownership. The battle's already been fought for us, but we need to understand what our weapons are. It reminded me, I remember as a kid watching the first Iraq war and they were telling, there was a story, uh, it was Peter Jennings was on the news and he was saying um, they were interviewing uh, a commander or something like that. And he said, yeah, we captured a bunch of Iraqi soldiers um, and they had taken butter knives because they didn't have weapons and they had taken butter knives and filed them down to points to use as a weapon because they were so ill-equipped for the battle and they were being so overpowered that they were using anything they possibly can the great thing is is this is we don't have butter knives uh, as spiritual weapons we're not ill-equipped for the battle that we have we are equipped but do we know how to use the weapons that we've we've been given we need to learn how to use what God has given us so that we can fight the battles that come into our life. So when they come into our life, it's like, oh, you don't just turn around and run. The shield of faith comes up. Yeah. There's this farm I drive by on the way to work and um, uh, this, they sell maple syrup and stuff. And, and the, the sign in front of it said, um, when fear knocks, uh, let faith open the door. And and, and they always have really cool signs up and I I drive by them and I was going to take a picture of it one day and then they changed it. I'm like, I wanted to go ask them, could you put it back so I could take a picture? But it it wasn't going to do that way. Um, But when fear knocks, let faith answer the door. When it, it says, so we may quench all the fiery darts of the devil. How is that going to happen? It's not by turning our back to him. It's by putting up the shield of faith and letting the shield of faith stop what the enemy is putting and throwing at us. So the weapons we have are all here for us to understand. It's just that we have to read them, understand the author and the equipper of them to be able to equip them and put them into our lives. Hitler thought he could take a tiny island quickly like he took France and he took Poland. But what he didn't realize is that the British people had resolve. They've been on that island for a thousand years and they're like, you're not taking us off this island anytime soon. They stood their ground in the face of the enemy. We need to stand our ground in the face of the enemy. When circumstances come into our life, we just say, you know what, the shield of faith. No, you are not. We put our feet back and we dig in and say, you will not come any farther. You will not take the ground that I've already taken. You will not come into my life and take my health, my, my family, my my house, my, anything like that, you are not going to do this. The Royal, Royal Air Force was so lackadaisical that they didn't realize what was happening. And they were like, oh, well, okay, they're just bombing a few places. But what happened was when they started getting a little too close to home, then they started to, to take priority of what was happening. Don't let it get too close to home before you take priority of, oh, well, now I need to know what I need to do. Start training now so that when it does get close to home, you can shut the front door and say, you know what? No, you're not coming in. Yeah. Yeah. Every one of these other pilots from these other countries, were, most of these were, were people who were immigrants or being... Uh, their countries are overtaken, and they, lo- they volunteered to fight for this country. Some of them were part of the UK, United Kingdom. Some of them were just being overtaken. Poland was taken so quickly that they didn't even realize what happened. Poland was asleep at the gates, but Britain wasn't. Churchill said, he goes, the, the Battle of France is over, but the Battle of Britain is getting ready to start. And he said that three to four months before they ever started bombing. Because he, he, he had foresight to see where the enemy was at the gates instead of saying, well, I hope they just leave us alone over here. He had foresight to see the enemies are coming to our front door. He said, we're going to meet them and we're not going to back down. So when the enemy knocks at the door, he says, hey, by the way, this is going to happen. You answer it with, no, this is not going to happen. My faith is stronger than what the enemy throws at me. The weapons of my warfare are meant to tear down strongholds that the enemy puts in our way. Churchill saw and had foresight to see what was going to happen. We need to be able to have the ability to see what God is doing in our lives now, but what He's going to do in the future. We need to be able to see what God is preparing us for so when we go in three months, three years, 30 years, we have the ability to be prepared for that. It says the weapons of our warfare are not for fighting of this world. They are powered by God. We need to allow God to fill our lives. Let the Word of God come into our lives when we're reading this. Meet the author. Understand who he is. And what it does is it creates a confidence in us that when it says, when God is for me, who can be against me? Right. Have the ability to stand and say, you know what, I don't care who's for me, or who's, but you will not come any farther in my life you may stand on your own sometime you may stand with 30 or 40 in that season but god says you know what you stand and your weapons will prosper nothing that is formed against you shall prosper let's pray